what's up, friends? Welcome to Rescue Your Own Damn Self, the podcast, where each and every week we take an epic journey down our own magical yellow brick road with kick-ass guests sharing their silly stories, awesome analogies, fearless failures, tragic tumbles, empowering aha moments, courageous comebacks, and legendary or even laughable life lessons. I'm your host, Lori Mork, and I'm fired up and ready to show you that you were the fierce warrior, swinging the damn sword, slaying at life all along. It's time to rescue your own damn self. Monica Parkin is an award-winning international speaker that has presented to audiences in excess of 2,000 participants, both in person and virtually. She's also the host of the Juggling Without Balls podcast. She's the author of Overcoming Awkward, The Introvert's Guide to Networking, Marketing, and Sales. She's a licensed mortgage broker and a speaking coach. When she first started out in the sales industry, she found herself struggling with how to build authentic connections with a fear of attending large events and no understanding of how to build relationships. She has since evolved into a master relationship builder. Audiences can expect to be entertained and inspired with easy to use strategies that will make them feel more confident, connected, and successful. Monica, welcome. Thank you. Super excited to be here, Lori. It's great to have you. I love... I said I was on that matchmaker site and everyone thinks that I was on a dating site, but it's how I found all of these amazing people to come on my podcast. I just love it. I love that I can connect with some pretty rad people. Yeah, that's funny because I left my phone on the table one day and my husband's looking at and he's like, what's this matchmaker.com app on your phone? Like, is there something you need to tell me? And I had to explain that it's like, oh, actually, that's how I find podcast guests. Like, it's it's a way to uh, match up podcast guests. I'm uh, not on a dating site. No, no, it's great. Well, welcome. And I'm really excited. I am an extrovert. So when I'm around people that are are able to self-proclaim and say they're introverts. I love this topic. And I love that you wrote a book on it in terms of it's scary. Let's first of all, let's just talk about introvert, extrovert listeners that are like, what do you mean, Lori? Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting too, because in the process of writing this book, some people that were extroverts have reached out to me and said, you know, I thought I was an extrovert, but now after two years of COVID, I'm actually not sure what I am anymore. I feel like I've gone into introvert mode. And then I, what I've also figured out is there's a little bit of a stigma around being an introvert because I had people that are really high in their field in sales and really high performing salespeople. And, and when I first launched the book and I said, the Kindle is free this weekend, you know, drop me a note if you want it. They would private message me and say, I totally want the book because I'm an introvert, but I don't want my boss or anyone to know that I'm an introvert. And so it was funny that they were actually killing it in their job, doing a great job, but they didn't want it public that they're an introvert because the perception is that you have to be an extrovert to be in sales or, you know, to be out there. And clearly that's not the case, right? It's mm-hmm. apples and oranges, but not necessarily that one is better than the other. It's like they were in the closet, right? They're like, I, I don't find me out. And I know people too, totally. that are a combination of both. Yeah. So they're introverted extroverts. And, <laughs> and I, 
Yeah. And I think you can evolve because clearly I used to be a total introvert and now, you know, I'm comfortable doing things that I wasn't comfortable with before. I'm not an extrovert by any means, but I definitely am totally comfortable going to those big functions. I'm comfortable with speaking events, things like this, but I also want to go home and get into my pajamas and curl up with a book. But, but I'm, I've kind of evolved to some kind of sort of hybrid animal of both of them. And so what's the difference? I know what's the difference, but what's the difference between an an introvert and an extrovert? Yeah. Well, what I think the difference is, is that extroverts get their energy from other people, right? They go out and they meet other people and they're, they're kind of energized by that. And they need that constant connection. Uh, Whereas introverts maybe feel a bit of an energy drain when they're around a lot of people and they get their energy from being alone. Uh, at least that's my understanding of the definition. And I have kids that are both. And so it was funny the other day, my son, after COVID, finally he gets to go hang out with friends and do stuff. And every time he comes home, he's like vibrating and he's talking really fast. I'm like, you're on drugs? Like, what are you doing? Is there something you need to tell me? He's like, no, mom, it's because I'm an extrovert. And I just saw my friends after two years. And now I have like all this energy that I don't even know what to do with. And that kind of tweaked that definition for me. It made it sort of real when I heard that from him. Do you feel that way as an extrovert or? Absolutely. And and I have two children and my daughter is very introverted, even though she's quite social, she does well in, in spaces with lots of people. She's very introverted. And during COVID, my son, who's my youngest, is my personality. He's very extroverted. We were so stir crazy at home that we would leave the house every single day to go to Starbucks together just to see someone. It was like we were craving that attention of just having to be around one soul somewhere. Yeah. And it's it's really hard as an extrovert to be through the COVID times. Yeah. Yeah. Because there were times where we couldn't go out. And I'm like, I don't care if I have to just get eggs at the grocery store. I'm going to see people and be around that energy. Yeah. Yeah. And that was very much our household too, because my husband and my son are extroverts. My two daughters and I are introverts and my daughters are like, we could do this forever. Like we're totally fine with this. COVID can go on for a hundred years and best thing that ever happened to us. And my son and my husband were just like crawling the walls, pacing, you know, calling people, making video calls that they've never, like just doing whatever they could to just soak up some kind of connection. Yeah. Mm. And let's talk about you got into, you had to be, put yourself out there in terms of networking yeah. and, and being in a space. And, and I'll, I'll give my example and then I'll ask you about yours yeah. because I want to hear about your first networking event. I thrive on this kind of stuff. I love not just being in speaker platforms, but I love being in large groups of people and absorbing their energy. And I can talk about anything. If you said, Lori, talk about paint drying right now, I could jump in front of a crowd and do it. I can work the room like no other. If I know the people, if I don't know the people, I love it. I thrive on it. And I have friends who would go into panic attacks thinking of that. They don't even like going to functions that have 20 people, much less. I think I saw one of your things said 2000 and you could put me in, you know, Madison Square Gardens on stage and say, have at her, Lori. And I love that. What happened in your first networking event, especially as an introvert? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so when I decided, so one of my, the hats that I wear is as a mortgage broker. So, so I actually chose that industry because I didn't read the, like the cliff notes. I had no idea what I was getting into. I chose the industry thinking that I could just work from my home office, email people, phone people. 
went off to get out in the world, you know, show up at the office the first week and they're like, hey, Chamber of Commerce event next week, we're going to go network. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what? what? Like nobody told me about this. And then I almost quit on the spot, but I had a lot of time and money invested in this. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like you can't just quit a career over having to go to an event. This is, this is crazy. So went to that first event, walked in the door and went, uh, uh-uh. turned around, went back up to my car and I sat in my car and just like hyperventilated. Like, I don't, I don't even know if I can do this. I like, I didn't, part of it wasn't even that I don't like connection, but it was all those, because I'd been an introvert my whole life and avoided those situations. I don't know where to look. I don't know where to put my hands. I don't know what to say. Like, what's the right way to stand? Like all this dialogue would be going on in my head and that would just shut me down. It's too scary. I don't want to do it. Uh, thankfully for me, a colleague drove up as I was about to phone and say I was sick or call in and say I can't make it. And she's like, hey, let's go in together. So we did. And I and I got through that event. Um, but But it was a real epiphany for me because I did what I was supposed to do. I walked around. I shook people's hands. I talked about myself. I pitched myself. I did like I forced myself to do all the things that you're supposed to do, apparently, when you network. And then I got home at the end of the night and I'm looking at all these cards in my hand. And I'm like, like, what am I going to do with these things? Like, I don't really like clutter. And I throw them in the garbage. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, if I'm throwing their cards out, like that means they're throwing my cards out too. That means all that stuff that I did was useless to me. Like, like that talking about myself, pitching myself wasn't helpful to me. So I got through the event, but I decided that like there has to be a better way for people like me to, because when you're nervous and you don't know what you're doing and you're scared, you don't come across authentically. You just blah, 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 and you talk about yourself and no one wants to just care about themselves. Because I imagine even though you can talk about anything, when you go to an event as an extrovert, you actually enjoy hearing what other people have to say and hearing their stories too, right? Well, and because you're not nervous, you absorb it. I mean, I'm known for never forgetting a name. I, I could meet someone and I have tricks on how I yeah. remember but I, I never forget anybody because I'm not nervous. And as soon as yeah. you have that nervous energy, it's going in one ear and out the other, even if someone's saying something to you, because you're just trying to get through and keep breathing. Exactly. That is exactly it, right? You've got this big adrenaline dump, your heart's racing, you're the blood is not in your head to pay attention to people like your body is in this fight or flight mode and it's the blood is everywhere but in your brain it thinks it's facing a grizzly bear rather than just a you know a person at an event and so yeah your brain shuts down and it and it doesn't work that's why a lot of introverts when they come back from like big functions like that are usually feel very drained right because it was a lot of effort to to be there Yeah. And for me, it's almost like having to speak another language. So like my primary language is introvert. And then I have to learn a second language, which is all these social cues and all those things I was talking about, like where you put your eyes and where you hold your hand and how you nod. And is this too much? Is this too little? And all these things are going on in your head. So when you get home, you're just completely exhausted because you weren't just having a conversation, but all this other stuff was playing in the background while you were talking to somebody. Well, and that's my next question. If you are an introvert and you're listening, what, what's the one thing you would say to the introverts? Like, what do you need to do? What's the one tool you need to bring to step out of the box? Yeah. Well, what I figured out, and and this is not my own words, someone else told me this is the ear to mouth ratio. Like you have two ears and one mouth. So listen twice as much as you talk. So my initial habit was to just start talking because I figured that would fill the empty space and that would make me look natural, but it 
actually my, not my superpower, but what works for me is to just listen, just to ask questions and to listen and to, to really pay attention to what other people are saying. And it does two things. One is you're actually building an authentic connection, not just talking about yourself. But I think that active listening actually slows down your central nervous system. It lets you breathe. It lets you calm down. It lets you soak into what's happening and actually enjoy yourself. And it becomes this one-on-one connection instead of just you and a sea of people, right? Well, and you said the word that I was going to just drop too, which is connection. And I, I think it's hard when you're in a group of a lot of people, you think you have to reach everybody, right? I And I would rather have smaller numbers of people that I yeah. truly connected with and less business cards maybe, and yeah. leave and know that you had like, cause I'm a multitasker. So yeah. I can, I can juggle a bunch of things, but if you can stop and really focus on that one-on-one listening, yeah, less people you, maybe you're going to meet, but it's going to be better quality connections. Yeah. And focusing on connecting other people too, right? Like for example, maybe I'm talking to Susie and she owns a winery and I know Melinda over there is a blogger who talks about food businesses. Maybe I can introduce one to the other. And uh, it's just not just like it's when you're not just looking out for you, but you're how can I connect this person to that person? How can I build this network where we're all interconnected and, and really how am I serving the people that I'm here to meet? Because when I flip the conversation and what can I do for you instead of what are you going to do for me? It just changes the whole conversation, right? And, and there also isn't that expectation on yourself that you need to achieve something that you're really just there to, to be of service to others. And it changes the changes conversation in your head too, I think. Well, and, and I found, I used to sell real estate in Calgary. And even though I've been in the fitness industry for so long and The thing that I found with connections is, yeah, you're there. I mean, as a mortgage broker, you obviously want to want clients that need money to buy homes and, and, and do that. A lot of the times I wouldn't even hand out business cards. People knew me, they knew my name, they knew what I did. I didn't really need to sell what a real estate agent was. They just knew who I was. Yeah. I developed those connections at the chamber of commerce, always the best place to go whether you're an introvert or an extrovert in business. And it'd be a year later. And I would hear from a woman that I met at a function that, that said, I just love the connection we had. You were such an awesome person. And I thought of you right away when I wanted to buy a condo for my son. And it wasn't even that I had to go in and do my sales pitches. It was that I was just selling myself authentically. And when they needed me, they knew where to call. That's exactly it. When I show up as my authentic self and which in my case is like this quirky, nerdy little person that I never showed anybody. But when I stopped trying to be who I thought people wanted me to be and just started showing up as as me, like literally just me and putting myself out there as me that's when those connections start to happen. And and when you're sometimes you're even a little bit vulnerable, like people are actually more willing to connect to someone that's willing to be a little bit vulnerable than someone that's got all these these walls up, right? So there mm. is something about that, I think. And what brought you to because you you have a book that's out that yeah. tell let tell me a little bit more about your book. And then we'll talk about first of all, you wrote your book and I've written two books. Yeah. <laughs> but you wrote your book in 30 days. I did. It was actually a 30-day writing challenge that kind of propelled me to write the book. I, I've had all these little ideas in my head because I'm a speaker. So I'll do a speech and I'll come home and I'm like, oh, that'd be a good book chapter. Ooh, that would be a good topic to put in a book, but it never found the momentum to actually do it. And I was laying in bed one Saturday morning, just scrolling through social media. And I saw this 30-day book writing challenge. And it was like a hundred bucks. And I'm like, you know, hundred bucks, like 
it's not too much money to spend, but it's just enough money that if I don't finish it, I'm going to be really mad at myself. And so it just, I just signed up for it and I went, I'm just going to do it. Uh, I, I have ADD or ADHD, however you want to call it. And my kid said, you know, mom, 30 days is actually the amount of time that you can probably do something. Like if you gave yourself six months, you would fizzle out and stop. But because you've got this finite timeline, I think you can do it. And and I did, you know, I an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening, uh, just worked on that. I, I didn't type though, because I'm not a, we're just talking about audiobooks. So I'm not so much of a, of a writer as I am a talker, like I'm a speaker. So on the way to and from school, I just turn on my phone, record myself, talk into my phone, bring it home, transcribe it into writing, and then go edit the writing. So cheated, maybe some people would call that cheating, but that's just the way I get my ideas out. So I did the same thing. I mean, it was, I, I wrote my book quite quickly as well, but I have, I either have post-it notes everywhere or little scrap pieces of paper again, through the years of, Hey, that might be a good chapter in a folder. And then I did the same thing when I would drive kids to and from audio record. And then you can come home. Yeah. You're the first person I've talked to who did that also. So that's super cool to hear. Yeah. I would do it as well. I would walk my dogs in the morning and that's sometimes where just a my creative juices would flow. And I would all of a sudden either think of even just a title of a chapter or a direction of a chapter. And as soon as I got home, I don't have time to get my computer going. I would just record whatever I could remember in terms of storyline for it. So I think it's a great way. Yeah. And like you say, when you're relaxed, like my best ideas either come to me when I'm walking, I'm in the shower, I'm driving. The minute I sit down in front of a computer, they're poof, like they're all gone because now there's this expectation that I do something. But if my mind is actually calm and half thinking about someone else, something else, you know, you're kind of in that hypnotic state. That's when the ideas just just flow out. So even though I wrote it in 30 days, kind of like you, those ideas have been trickling in over the years. And I've just kind of, a lot of them were previous speeches and things that I've talked about that I just kind of bundled up and put a little bow on and turned into words. Oh yeah. And well, and a lot of people will ask that question, how long did it take you? And it's like, it's a lifetime. You know, you always are learning and and this would be great. None of us think we're going to write a book, but when it all comes together, it's just, it's awesome. Yeah. So no, your book, what's the title of it again? It's, for- it's Overcoming Awkward and it's an introvert's guide to networking, marketing, and sales. And do you feel like extroverts can benefit from as from reading it as well? I do actually. Yeah. I've had a couple extroverts that just agreed to be early readers just because they were curious. And they said they actually, A, they learned a lot about their introverted friends and they got a new sense of compassion and empathy, like, because they could see their side of things, not just these like lazy people that just want to stay home and eat popcorn, but people that actually you know, have some real struggles with getting out in crowds. And B, once you get past the introverted part of it, some of the, like the business advice around communication, around dealing with angry clients, things like that, those pieces apply to everyone. So I would say at least half the book applies to everyone, regardless of your personality type. But also there's a lot of extroverts that mentor introverts or have introverts on their team. And if you don't know what's going on in their brain, it's really hard. the advice you give them might not work for them, right? Like the advice you would give yourself might not be the advice that they can apply to their own life. Well, and I think you you said it earlier about COVID kind of changing extroverts into introverts because we're not used to being around people anymore. Yeah. But I also have a lot of friends that they label themselves as extroverts. And I know a lot about this topic. So I'm like, I don't think you are. I think you're you're trying to either pretend you are or maybe you used to be but I don't see a lot of the personality traits of an extrovert. They just are maybe 
in denial that they're an introvert. Yeah. Or they've just gotten really comfortable with it over the years, right? Because anyone that would look at me now, they would be, you're totally an introvert. You're on podcasts, you go speaking, you're at every networking event, you show up early to talk to people, you're totally an extrovert. But I'm not. I've just learned a new set of skills. But at my core, how I respond to those events, how my my brain processes them and the chemicals it produces are different than the way your brain and your body is going to process those same experiences. Well, and I like what you said. It's understanding other people, because when you do go to these networking events or anywhere working, you know, as a team in a big company with a big group of people, you need to understand the other end of the spectrum. And I can usually be in a room and, and you can point out who the extroverts and the introverts are just based on, you know, how are they carrying themselves? Are they making eye contact? A lot of things like that. So it is nice to understand why people are acting a certain way and then also be able to interact with them on, not on their level, but maybe with a little more understanding, right? If you don't understand it, you're just like, why is this person having a hard time making eye contact with me and looks like they're a fish out of water in this room right now? (laughs) Yeah. And I used to be that person. And I was so grateful to the people that would spot that and come over and, you know, put out their hand and say, hi, it's nice to meet you and start asking me questions instead of just letting me sit in the side of the room with a drink in my hand thinking, oh, which one, like, where do I start? And then once I start talking, if I talk to this person too long, am I supposed to be talking to someone else? Am I not too long? But to have someone come up to you and just say, hey, it's nice to meet you and start asking you questions is a wonderful gift that you can give to the introverts in your life or your company if you're as tuned in as you obviously are and you can see those people just sitting on the sidelines, not sure what to do. That's a, that's a beautiful thing to do for someone. Well, and how did you, how did you step into all of that? How did you finally, because now you said you, not only are you public speaking, you're walking into large marketing events, rooms full of people with ease now, right? It's, how did you get there? With little teeny tiny baby steps. Like I literally, I did the old, you know, and like, I don't know how familiar you are with addiction recovery programs, but a lot of programs like AA and things like that, the slogan is one day at a time. So I literally did this one day at a time. I would tell myself, I'm going to do this tomorrow. If I hate it, I don't have to do it the next day. And then I would get up in the morning and I'm going to do it today. And then I'd always give myself the next day out. But I would, I started with these tiny, tiny little baby steps and I started by lying to myself, because when you tell a lie long enough, you start to believe it. So I would get up in the morning and be like, I like people. I love hanging out with people. Today is going to be a great day hanging out with people. And then I started with like little tiny things, like talking to the lady in the grocery lineup. Like I would never do that before. I would put my head down. I would just get out of there. And the first day I'm like, you know, I'm just going to ask that lady what's in her cart. I'm going to say, that looks interesting. And you know, the world didn't fall apart. And she's like, yeah, actually, these are on two for one at the back of the store. And I'm like, that's so cool. I wouldn't have found that out if I didn't ask that question. You know, and then the next day I'm at the mailbox and my neighbor comes up and I used to avoid neighbors because like, you got to talk to them. You got to go to their barbecues. You got to feed their cats, right? And neighbor comes up and I wanted to jump in my car. And I'm like, no, remember? Remember today you like people. And so I talked to her. Turns out she's like a really nice person. And we had a little really nice conversation. So I just kept biting off bigger and bigger and bigger pieces. And every time I did it, I liked the result. And then I would get home at the end of the day and kind of make this mental list of everything that went well about trying that so that I kind of felt empowered to go out and do it the next day. And and I just expanded it and expanded it and expanded it until all of a sudden, you know, it's like you watch your kids grow up and one day like they're little and then all of a sudden they're growing up. One day I looked in the mirror and I was like, huh, I'm going to go to this big event and 
it's not going to bother me at all, you know, but I, I can't pinpoint when it happened. It just somewhere along the way it did, but it was by taking those little tiny steps every day. Well, and I like to think of it as fake it till you make it. So it yes. was, you were convincing yourself, this is this piece of cake. I love doing this. I can't wait to see people. And so one day you didn't even probably even have to think about it. It was like you were just doing it. It became it, that robotic time after it, time. Exactly. I faked it till I made it, but then I also looked for evidence that it was working, right? So I pretended, but then at the end of the day, I looked for evidence like, yeah, actually I got a better deal on my groceries and, oh, I found this out about this thing and and did I have a good time? Actually, yeah, I kind of did have a good time. And so I kind of observed those changes and, and uh, pointed out to myself that they were positive rather than getting home and going, oh, thank God that day's over. Now I can hibernate. I didn't do that. I was like, okay, what worked about today and what am I going to try tomorrow? Do you feel like practice makes perfect? I do. Not, I maybe not it's... perfect. Practice makes better. The more you do it, the more... I, it's like a muscle, right? It's like anything. The more you ride your bike, the faster you get. The more you talk to people, the easier it is. But you can't get better unless you unless you try it, right? And you fail 100% of the time that you don't try. So what do you have to lose? Well, and if you're in an industry like, say, mortgage broker or real estate or any any area that needs networking, you can't get away from it. So it's like if you really embrace it and, and learn and grow. Otherwise you, I mean, you're going to have to switch industries if you're not willing to at least try and take steps forward to learning how you're going to step out of the box and how you're going to make this work. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you have to go to all these huge networking events or you got to walk around and hand out your cards. You can make connections one person at a time too. And I think that's something that introverts do really well. And I think that's why some of those salespeople that were killing it that are telling me they're introverts and they don't want every anyone to know that they're introverts. Maybe they aren't going to these big events and networking, but they are individually one person at a time, whether it's through phone calls or texts or social media, or just by doing a good job and and communicating, they're building a network. They're just doing it sort of slowly and organically rather than all at once. And and I don't think there is a right or a wrong way. The, the thing is that you make connections and that they're real and authentic, right? Well, and baby steps, like you said before, and sustainability too is another one. Like if you're picking something that you know you can keep doing, <laughs> maybe it is the social media connection, you'll keep doing it and then you'll keep finding success yeah. at it because it's not so scary and overwhelming. Yeah. And recognizing that it's always uncomfortable the first few times you do it. You know, that's the story I tell in my book when I was in labor with my first child. Every time I would, because I had this horrible back labor, right? And every time I would change position, it would get so much worse. I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I want to go back, <laughs> go back to the other position. My doula is like, listen, it's going to be worse for the first three contractions. And then it's actually going to get better and, and you're going to progress faster. And it's the same with learning new things, right? The first couple of times you try something, it feels awkward and uncomfortable. But once you get past those first few times, all of a sudden it starts to feel comfortable, but you got to push past that discomfort sometimes to get to the comfort. My favorite as an extrovert was always meeting the introverts, whether it was through like a women's luncheon or, or whatever at the beginning of, of a year and seeing how they interacted with people and, and almost cringing like poor girl, you know, she said all the wrong things. <laughs> she's drinking the wine too much now because she's so nervous. Yeah. But then a year later seeing almost you step into it. Like this is, this is, I mean, it's an ev evolution as you take those baby steps. I love seeing introverts just rockets. I do too. I just love seeing anyone grow. Like I belong to a Toastmasters group and we'll have people come at the beginning of the year, same idea. 
where English isn't their first language and they're just struggling to find the words and to put a speech together. And it's just, it's so rough. And then every time they come, they get a little better and a little better. At the end of the year, you're like, man, I wish I had a video of that first time you were here because just to watch that growth and that change is is just phenomenal, especially when you're in an environment where you're supported and you feel safe. And and so, like I said, that's a real gift that I think extroverts can give to the introverts in their life is to to give them that sense of safety and comfort when they do go to those events, right? Be the be the the buddy, the sidekick, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. And let's talk about dealing with difficult people. And, and it might not just be customers. Yeah. As an introvert, what's the difference? How do you feel when you've got like a challenge, a challenged client or or where you're dealing with a difficult person? Yeah, I think... Well, I think part of it is that I kind of had a light bulb moment somewhere along the way that really helped me. And that's the realization that most people that are angry are actually afraid that they are just like, you know, we talked about when you see like your your old reptile brain, right? So back in prehistoric days, when you run into danger, you can fight it, you can run whatever. But when you run into a danger that you can't put your hands on, like something's not going your way or something went wrong, you can't physically go beat someone up or run away, but your body's still getting flooded with all that adrenaline. So it comes out as this verbal attack. Uh, so my epiphany was having a client that was just angry and mean. And every day it was freaking out about something else. And I finally was like, I got to like, I have to fire this woman. I don't even know how, but I have to do it. So, you know, I built up the courage and I finally called her and I, I just spit it out. Like, I got to, I got to give you to a different broker. I can't do this anymore. And there's like silence on the other end of the line. And then like, sniffling and sobbing. And I'm like, oh no, like, did someone in your family just pass away? Did I catch you? I'm so sorry. Did I catch you at a wrong time? And she's like, you were my last hope. Like I'm a single mom with three kids. My landlord just kicked me out. I have nowhere to live. Three other brokers have fired me. I have nowhere to go. I don't know what to do. And I realized that all that anger was actually terror. She was terrified that she was, she wasn't angry. She was scared. And so once I was able to see her as a scared person, it was so much easier to deal with her. I, I wasn't afraid anymore. I was wanting to help her. So now when I get someone angry, I think of them as like, you know, if you pull a little kitten out of the ditch and it's soaking wet and screaming and you don't think, oh, this horrible kitten. You just think, how can I help you? So now when I've got someone losing their crap on me, I think, you know what? They're really scared about something. And if I can get to what they're scared about and address that, I can make all the anger go away. And that's what happened with that client. We ended up having this amazing relationship once we addressed the root of the problem. Well, and I like you referred to it as taming the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. It, is that, and, and I mean, in fairy tales, that's what my book is all about. My new one. Oh, interesting. I can't most, wait to read it. M- most dragons aren't mean. Like they're not, they're mm-hmm. not bad. It's like a shark. We think sharks are, are they don't want to eat us. Most sharks don't eat humans. We just believe that because of jaws. The dragon's actually our friend. It's just, it, it needs to be tamed because it's, it's in that fight or flight. It's protecting its kingdom, whatever it might be. Is that why you refer to it as that? Why? What made you yeah. choose? You mean the dragon? Very much so. Yeah, because they look scary. They're breathing fire, you know. But really, you know, once you can, you can have a conversation. You can get rid of that fear and that adrenaline and everything. Then, then you know, dragons are mythologically friends in many cases, right? So yeah, your sidekick, your yeah. best friend. Yeah. What, yeah. what would be your biggest piece of advice? for someone that is sitting in their little introvert land and not sure where, where to even go. I mean, cause 
they don't like leaving the house. So <laughs> they're not. Yeah. I would say, you know, a nice place safe to start is this little virtual world that we're in, right? During COVID, you can hop on a Zoom meeting, you can text someone, you can go on social media, you can take the time to think about what you're going to say and and make sure you feel comfortable with it. You don't have to be in this live, you know, event where you don't know how to respond. You can start by literally just being a little bit vulnerable and sharing a little bit of yourself, whether that's on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, or whether that's popping into a Zoom meeting and staying muted the whole meeting, but just maybe putting something into the chat to say hello, like just start with those little baby steps and then notice how you feel. Because I used to be the person that ran from connection, that hated connection. And now that's my joy. Like my greatest joy in life is connection. Like I'm not like you, the person in COVID who has to get out and get to the Starbucks or, or go meet someone, but my greatest joy is truly connection now. And that was the thing that I ran from. So you can't see around the corner. You don't know what's there. Just, I would say, be have an open mind and and notice the, the good things that, that come back from those little baby steps and, and then decide if you want to take another step or not. And in your book, do you give tools? Is it kind of a how-to and yeah. stories of what you went through? And Yeah, it's very much a part how-to manual, part memoir. It's very much my own. It opens with my own, you know, experiences as a, as a young child in school, not knowing how to talk to people, feeling socially awkward, that transition into a career where I needed to network. And then lots of concrete examples of things that I did along the way and suggestions of, of how to begin and how to start. And what would be, I always ask this, your mic drop moment or comment about, let's go with being an introvert. What's something that you're just like, this is kind of a myth or it's a truth bomb about introverts and in sales or introverts in general in terms of networking? Yeah. Well, first of all, I guess that the biggest um, misconception is that introverts aren't good at sales or they're not good at building relationships because they are. They just have a very different way of going about it. They're very good at those one-on-one individual small relationships and then growing them out from there. They're not so good at sitting down with a group of 100 and and working a room. Uh, But definitely, I think introverts in many ways are actually master relationship builders. They They just aren't given the credit for it and they do it in a different way. Well, and do you feel it's, it's as an extrovert myself, I actually in sales prefer the introvert type of a way, like where they're kind of under the radar. It's not as in your face as say an extrovert that's flopping around the room, meeting everybody, doing everything. It can actually maybe be better sometimes it, as an introvert, because you are kind of, you have a different methodologies of coming across to people with your sales strategies. Yeah. I kind of liken it to this hunter versus farmer mentality, right? So you've got the hunter that's out there getting their prey tonight. I got to eat tonight. I'm going to go out and catch something. I got to make that sale, make that pitch. And then you've got the introvert that's out there planting seeds, right? So they're just planting these little seeds here and there with some integrity and some honesty and and an an individual phone call or an email and and building these little relationships and out there planting little seeds. And they don't get that immediate return. Like when an introvert and extrovert go into sales, the extrovert's probably going to initially do better faster. But long-term, when you look at the five-year mark, I think you'll find that a lot of introverts are are at the same level or even higher. They just took longer because they were out there planting crops and then harvesting them rather than out there sort of actively metaphorically hunting for their prey, so to speak. Do you feel like your book could also apply? Because I know it's very business networking sales kind of driven. 
because of your stories, can it apply to life too? Because uh, there's a lot of introverts that also don't like going to social functions or being around groups in general. Do you just do some of your how to's help with that? I think so. That's been the feedback from readers. Anyways, I've had some early readers or even readers now that, that aren't in business that just read it because, you know, they know me or someone recommended it to them. And they said that it's actually really helped them with their, with their relationships in their own family or with their kids and and their coworkers, uh, just to have some, some skills to deal with that. And the communication piece, there's a couple really deep chapters on communication that I think are really useful to anyone. Yeah. Well, especially post COVID, because I think a lot of us even as extroverts, you, I mean, you go two years without being at a nice, big, massive women's speaking event or function, yeah. or we've all been on zoom for so long being muted and, you know, wearing our pajamas on the bottom and, 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 and a top on top. Right. And yeah. now we have to go back to society again. And it just might be a nice reminder of how to act around each other. Yeah, exactly. And, and even just little things like how long to take to respond to someone, you know, when you've got bad news, it's actually more important to communicate more, you know, like those old myths that, well, if I don't have something good to tell the client, I'm not going to call them until I get it sorted out. Where in fact, when something's going sideways, it's actually 10 times more important to reach out and communicate that so that they're in the loop. Things like that, just those little steps that you can do along the way, because it doesn't matter how good of a networker you are, if you're not good at your job, if you're not good at maintaining that relationship and and giving your client or your coworker, your family member, whatever a great experience, that relationship is gonna is gonna struggle. Oh, so it is. It's so much deeper than just that connection. It's the relationship, the communication, totally. fostering that whole connection for the long term. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know just sort of like an, well, not if it's an example, but like my husband's an extrovert. I'm obviously an introvert. I wouldn't be on this show talking about it, but you know, when we first got married, there was a lot of conflict because every day after work, he would stop and hang out with a buddy, go visit someone. And I, at that time I was home with a newborn. So I was like, I've been home all day. You're not here. You're not, you know, but on the flip side, he'd want me to go do stuff with him. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just going to stay home today. So it kind of created a little bit of conflict because he's like, you want me to spend time with you, but you don't want to go out and do stuff with me. And I don't want to just stay home and do nothing. So we figured that out over the years. And it's actually a real blessing because there's times when he wants to go do stuff and I actually get to just sit home in my pajamas and I don't have to worry about if I'm keeping him company or not and vice versa. He he doesn't have to worry that I feel left out. So it's actually been a good thing for our relationship. But in the early years, it was it was a real point of contention, you know. Well, I guess it can be, it can go sideways if it's two extroverts or two introverts too, because then you feed off of each other and it's like, we're either going to run out of energy because we're going to be extroverts out together and never, ever slowing down or two introverts at home are happy to never go out ever. So exactly right. Kind of balance each other out when having one of each, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so glad that we connected. Yeah. Thank you, Lori. Me too. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, and I hope your listeners get a few things out of it. And we were just talking about maybe having you on my podcast in the future. So we'll, uh, we'll keep people updated about that. Yeah, that would be great. And I mean, I look forward to seeing hopefully you one day in person at a massive networking event. I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. I'll I, be the I'm one. A- a hugger and a toucher and a feeler. And I, and I can't wait to be in large crowds again and that energy, but until then it's great that we can connect on a, on a podcast platform. And I love hearing about this topic. It's just such a great topic. I'm actually going to grab your whole book because I've, I've read a little tiny bit of it. So 
Yeah. I think it's great. I think it's great to understand each other and we definitely need it post COVID. I think we all do. Of us do. Yeah. And thank you for sharing your, your extrovert insights with me too, because uh, it's really helpful just to hear how the other side thinks. Right. So, yeah. Well, I usually in my podcast, like my books, every chapter I finish and I say, rescue your own damn self. And I'm going to say by learning about others, if you're an extrovert, learn about those wow. introverts. If you're an introvert, step outside of, of your box. And, and like you said, baby steps, take those baby steps and live sassily ever after. Sassily ever after. I love sassily. it. That's awesome. And, and tame some dragons while you're, while you're doing it, while you're living your fairy tale, tame some dragons. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Thanks again That's for coming awesome. on. Thank you, Lori. Thanks so much for listening, friends. For more sassy and magical adventures, be sure to check out my website, lorimork.com, or follow me on Instagram at lori.mork. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast where each and every week we release a new episode featuring queens, kings, divas, vixens, gods and goddesses, and just some totally awesome guests who are ruling their kingdom and narrating their own feisty fairy tales. It's time to rescue your own damn self and live sassily ever after.